Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To recall the midwife. Hello and welcome to Recall the Midwife. We are three super fans of Call the Midwife who watch each episode and discuss in order. Today we are discussing Series 5, Episode 8. I'm Alex. I'm Becky. I'm Jen. And a reminder that this week's episode deals with death and dying, alcoholism, birth defects, and thalidomide scandal, and LGBTQIA plus issues. So if those topics are ones you would prefer to skip this time, we understand and hope you join us for the next one. In this week's episode, Barbara is helping a young Saleti woman named Tripti Balook. When Tripti goes into labour, Barbara asks Sister Evangelina to join her to lend a hand. Sister Evangelina maintains that she won't handle newborns since her stroke because she says it's a two-handed job, but she goes along and ends up bathing Tripti's baby girl while Barbara delivers the placenta. Afterwards, when they return to Nanata's house, Sister Evangelina dozes off by the fire while Barbara makes her a cup of tea. She suffers another stroke and passes away in her sleep to be found by Fred the following morning. All of Poplar comes together to mourn her passing. Meanwhile, Mitchell Ansel has returned from Australia after the £10 POM scheme didn't work out. His mother Tessie is hastily making arrangements for a wedding as they wait for Mitchell's girlfriend to dock. Noelle has left Australia to join Mitchell after finding out that she's in the family way. Mitchell and Noelle eventually get married and their baby boy is delivered at the wedding reception. Dr. Turner and Sheila learn to their horror that the drug Distabel has been withdrawn after being linked with causing birth defects, leading them to try and track down the patient histories. There we go. This episode will just ruin us all, but... This episode, this episode. Also, just to say, at the start of the podcast, we had a special guest announcer <laughs> who uh, is the latest addition to the podcast. She's joining us next week to talk about really gritty things. It's my daughter. <laughs> our, our youngest, our youngest host. Our youngest host, have. non-listener, uh, six-year-old. Yeah. But she does watch Call the Midwife. She, does, she came in today, actually. 
She's seen some very choice scenes in the episodes. If you've been listening along with us, you know that she's popped in at very uh, wild times. Well, she asked again today. She was like, can we watch the bit where they burn the caravan? I was like, no, (laughs) we're watching this episode. She probably probably did her bit in less takes than we did our bit. Oh, Oh, she 100% did it. She literally just did it. Done. Them, them, yeah. and them. Is it is it her usual voice or is it the voice that she gets when she's like wanted to do something but then gets a bit shy about it? Oh no, not shy at all. You'll, you'll hear. Okay, okay, that's so. Funny. I thought you were going to suggest then that she's got a telephone voice. I was like, I've never heard a telephone voice. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm <Mappy. laughs> Oh God! Well, I I hope we're enjoying this laughter now because it's the last time it's going to happen for the next hour that oh, we talk about. This let's whole talk episode. about something really nice first. Those massive oh. cramps and the big babies in them with the cute. Oh yeah, at the oh. beginning. At the beginning, and I will say, little Susan Mullocks, all wrapped up in her blanket with her little bonnet on, is absolutely the most gorgeous little doll baby you have ever seen. She is so sweet, and even when she's unwrapped and you see her body and everything, like she is the most beautiful little girl. Such to the whole sweetie pie and I know that the little actor that they have playing her is not disabled and they kind of do some CGI and things for that but Susan Mullix is one of the most darling little sweetie pies and I mean there were a couple Thanks times to where an like, angel. oh my god I mean like oh and then like even like when the Saletti baby was born and when the baby that what's his name um Mitchell and Noel, their baby's born. He's so cute. And oh my God, there's like the I don't see what always... name any of the babies. Um Tripti's baby doesn't get named. No, and I wanted, I wanted Noelle and Mitchell's baby to be a girl and them to name it Evangelina. <laughs> that would oh, be yeah. good, actually. That would be really good. I just wonder but... if it'll have an Australian name or an English name. Oh, well, is there much difference? I mean, they're kind of close together in terms of culture, right? No. Like, what Like what would an Australian baby be named versus what would an English baby be named? I mean, come on, Bex. Like, what are you talking about? I don't about? know. I think it's, we're going to be, I'm going to be sailing close to the wind if I make suggestions. Well, I know someone who's... Bruce? <laughs> Sheila. <laughs> that's, that's, these are very... We've got Australian listeners. This is so inappropriate. Yes, it is, but also wrong. I know someone, though, who's called Katie, and her dad's Australian. And I think uh-huh. they're just a bit more, like, modern. We go quite traditional where, I think, traditional where I think Australian names are more... I know someone who's got a kid called Riker in Australia, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, so but like that, if that's a kid more... that's born now, not a kid that's born in the 60s. Okay, a kid that's born in the 60s. I don't what's, know. What's Katie's dad called? I have no idea. Oh, you know what I think could be an Australian <laughs> name for a boy? Ken. I feel like Ken could be an Australian name. I feel like I can hear someone in Australian action going, oh, yeah, there's my hu- husband, Ken. I don't know why, right? Mm. <laughs> Barbie? Well... <laughs> Right, okay. should we start? You you guys brought this up, so I'm not even going to take any blame for I didn't. For making... Becky brought it up, and I kind of went with her until she went really, really, really xenophobic <laughs> and said Sheila and Bruce. <laughs> I just want to apologise to our Australian listeners. Well, right, uh... both of our Australian listeners, Sheila and Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Right. Let's talk about Tripti okay. and her baby. So Barbara's oh, oh, this is very this is very stupid, but Tripti, the, the woman who plays Tripti, I just watched her in an episode of this season's Black Mirror. And oh, I and I saw 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in, she's in, um, I think, like, I want to say the third or fourth episode this season. And it's a really good episode. It's very, like, dark and scary and creepy and everything like that. But I had never seen her before. And I was like, oh, okay, she's an interesting character and everything. And then literally, I turned on this episode to watch it to prep for this. And I was like, oh, and it's the same girl. So just to say, that's all. Mm-hmm. I've not seen them yet. I want to. Black Mirror and- is really good. It's really yeah. good. Highly recommend. Yeah. Back to call the midwife. Um, <laughs> So Tripti is a Saleti lady. So Barbara has been learning um, a few words of Saleti so that she can kind of uh, kind of communicate directly with them when she's trying to help them deliver their babies. Which is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love the bit where Barbara told Sister Evangelina this and Sister Evangelina was like, you remind me a lot of me, except that you're too disorganized and too slim. <laughs> Oh, that was a lovely scene, though. They really had a lovely heart-to-heart and, like, a real meeting of minds. Yeah, yeah. And I loved when Sister Evangelina said that, like, for her, she made a big effort to learn Yiddish um, for, like, her Jewish patients and stuff, which I actually thought was quite interesting because, I mean, again, I don't know if this is exactly it, but, like, my guess was that there was an influx of Jewish immigrants from, you know, Europe and everything after World War II. And so she had a lot of clients or patients who were in that, you know, of that heritage and everything. So I just thought that was really i just i just yeah this i feel like last episode well not last episode because last episode she was only in it for a few minutes but i feel like this was in a few ways kind of like the softer side of sister evangelina you know yeah well except when she's talking to fred because he does get a rollicking quite a few times yeah and when she's talking to sister monica joan she well, and normally like... when she speaks to barbara <laughs> <laughs> i love the <laughs> part where she goes back there and Barbara's just been like pooped on by a baby and she's like oh that you like you really need to talk to the mother about what that baby's eating and she's like um yeah that stool actually, is quite substantial <laughs> uh, yeah and, and it's like and it's like oh well you know you could go talk to her if you want because like I wouldn't be I wouldn't have a problem doing like whatever job um sister Evangelina was doing she was like um no I don't think so newborns are like uh not really my thing right now so anyways here's a clean apron okay good luck bye <laughs> <laughs> I was like yeah no <laughs> it was lovely that she's come full circle she does end up bathing Tripti's baby while Barbara oh. helps her and stays by Tripti's side yeah she's waiting for the afterbirth because it can take up to an hour yeah and... I know can we just can we just rewind though for just one quick second because like you know we've been seeing Barbara's relationships kind of growing and like I feel like I've been noticing her getting closer to Phyllis which has been so so sweet but I feel like this episode with Barbara and Sister Evangelina was so beautiful because I mean we just joked about how Barbara was like oh well do you want to like go talk to the mom and everything and like and we we kind of were like oh that's because she doesn't really want to do it but when she came and asked Sister Evangelina to assist with the birth I kind of thought to myself oh you know this is like Barbara's like really gentle way of like getting her to like dip a toe back into midwifery which is like really her true passion and she wouldn't feel comfortable being on call to like go deliver and then and then even when Barbara said something about like washing the baby I was like Barbara maybe well I think Barbara like could have given the baby the bath but she wanted sister Evangelina to do it and yeah. again it was like the way that she like just gently was or, like oh, come on we don't want to waste Barbara a prophet and she knew what was going to happen <laughs> okay well, we I'm... love Barbara but let's not go that far <laughs> Because Barbara told Sister Evangelina that she needed to bath the baby so that she could stay by Tripti's side. 
then she hovered at Sister Evangelina's shoulder the whole time. Yes, mm-hmm. I saw that too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, like, you could, like, it was so sweet when Sister Evangelina was bathing that baby and she was just, like, putting the little water over its head and everything. And she had her, like, arm that wasn't in, in good shape, like, kind of cradling the baby in the bathtub and everything. And her heart, like, you could just see, like, the love she had for midwifery and for babies was just, like, beaming out of her when and she got to she hold this little baby. The babies were like, you like that, don't you, pretty little thing? You love it. Like, you know, properly oh. enjoying it. I know. And then when she picked it up and she was like, don't you worry, nurse. What, uh, Barbara, what's Barbara's last name? Nurse, whatever. Gilbert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nurse Gilbert, like, you know, this little, this little lad and I are doing just fine. And she like had wrapped him up and everything. And she was using her bad arm to kind of like cradle him and then holding him with her. It was just, oh, it was just so sweet. It was like, Barbara really gave Evangelina a gift in that, in that scene. And I just, I just loved it so much. Now, I have to mention, this is quite um, a niche point, that when Barbara went to Tripti's house, Tripti had fleas in her house. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. And her and Tom commented about how they have to, like Tom said, he had to wear bicycle clips. Now I had fleas in my house. So. Oh, silence from here, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> you can't see our faces, but we were both kind of like, Ugh. you know that emoji where it's just like teeth, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, oh, no. <laughs> so when I bought my house. The people that I bought my house had had about like 10 cats and it didn't smell or anything. But I based I did a lot of work to my house when I moved in. So like I wasn't going to keep the carpets. But then I noticed that all around my ankles, I had like loads of bite marks. OMG. And then all around my waist as well. Because obviously those were the two bits of flesh that the fleas could get to. Yeah, and if you were sitting like down doing the skating boards and stuff, oh my God. Oh. And I tried everything to get rid of them I tried like special spray like I sprayed all the carpets I tried carpet cleaner then we read that if you put salt down it like dries the fleas up so we just put so much salt down it was you could just literally kick salt just ripped them up straight away put them in the garden so wait the the carpets were what was holding onto the fleas Yes. And it was awful because like if I got an, like I just couldn't put anything down on the ground. I was so yeah, that's rank. like conscious. Is there, was there not like a fumigation or something you could do in advance? Of, of... I tried it. Tried everything. It what work. did you do? What did you do? Oh. I ripped the carpets up and took them to the tip. That's what I did first just saying. And that, that yeah. got rid of it? <laughs> that got rid of it? Well, once the carpet, they were in the carpet. So once the carpets were gone. Then they were gone. Yeah. Well, girls, I'll just tell a flea story so that we can have some solidarity here. Actually, I don't have any flea stories. Carry on. Well, you're lucky, and I thank don't God you don't. Fleas anymore. Yeah. So I no, I've never had fleas myself, but many, 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 many years ago, I went to go visit my best friend from high school, and we were staying. I was staying at her house. We were gonna go. We were gonna stay at her house for like a night or two, and then she and I were gonna go like on a like little vacation ourselves, and then I was gonna go back home. Well, we get to her house. Now she's always had cats our whole lives, and had cats at that time, and the cats had fleas, and so she had known that she had a flea problem prior to me coming, but didn't say anything about it and so I get there and we're kind of dealing with it and she's like oh by the way da 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 and because I'm like noticing you know what I mean I'm like obviously you know you see them well we, I was there in her house for probably like 36 hours and I got not only so many flea bites but like had like a really bad reaction to them like I had like really large like bites and they were really red and everything like that it was so itchy to the point where after we left her house and we were at the place where we were going to spend like about a week together like on vacation in the Cape I had to go to an urgent care because I was like I literally couldn't even sleep 
sleep. Like it was so bad. And like Bex, to your point, like I had them all like like I had some on my feet, I had them on my legs, but like I had them really bad around my ankles because that's where like the socks were and everything. Yeah. And they had to give me like a cream and everything else, and it cost me like three hundred dollars, blah blah blah, and everything like that. And that's how outrageous that that costs three hundred dollars. Oh, well, don't get me started on the American healthcare system. But yes, it is outrageous. I didn't I had ter- I didn't have good health insurance at the time. But anyways, but it took like a month for those things to like totally fade away because they like and the thing that was really um, like so cringe about it was this was obviously the summer. So like I had these like they were red to start, but then they got really, really, really dark red and then they started to fade away. So like my legs just looked ab it like looked like I had adult chicken pox for like a month. It was horrible. Oh, oh my God. And they were so itchy and nightmare. So anyways just to say uh, yeah it's it's not good it's not good so trippy <laughs> <laughs> but you just never know what your reaction is gonna be right like you just sometimes people have like really weird adverse reactions to things and you just don't know well and... i thought when i first saw the flea storyline to get back to for the midwife I did actually yeah. think it might have there might be a reaction to the baby or something when i first saw this ages ago well, yeah and also, I love I the think- fact that her husband was just fast asleep next to her while she was having a Guys, I thought was going to be wrong with her husband, but then at the very end when they were having the funeral for Sister Evangelina, he was just stood there, and I'm like, oh, so he was just, like, he was just super lazy and just sleeping in the middle of the day for no well, reason. Well, no, no, he like, was lazy. Shift he was doing shift work, so he just, he worked, it was, I thought it was trying to portray how hard he worked. Oh, I guess I must have missed that. I, I didn't catch on that there was, like, a reason for him to be just... Although Barbara's line about delivering a baby, like, delivering a baby with the husband asleep in the same bed, I was like because he was drunk well oh. passed out drunk in the same bed i just oh my god i was like oh lord i guess you just see all kinds but it's the fact that obviously in those days that? and then, well nowadays they'd be bringing you know social services in those days they were like yeah there you go there's another <laughs> one for you can you imagine though for him being passed out drunk in that bed and then coming to in the state that that mattress would have been in for him oh. <laughs> oh. Well, and and when and when Barbara says she's like she, the reason she part of the reason she asked Evangelina to come and she's like oh she's like well you know like the the like the water like you can get water from the tap but the toilet's broken so like I'm gonna have a really hard time kind of cleaning up and doing all the stuff that I need to do on my own like can you please come and help me and I was just like oh my god oh just another like really complicated birthing zone but anyways uh, they get back to Nanata's house and Barbara says she'll make them tea and toast tea and toast sounds like a dream to me but they're gonna have a bit of chocolate button cake which sister Monica Jane has scoffed because she found it first you know I've put a note here I would be so angry with the sister Monica Jane like so angry that I've missed oh, out oh I would be absolutely cake. like this I love the way sister raging. Monica Jane denied it well, also I'd just be pissed off because they work so hard and it's like long hours and ridiculous thing and then they come home and they have one thing to look forward to and she's scuffed it and i just hate her well also like <laughs> she literally can't even leave a slice for god's sake like sister evangelina was like there's a half of a cake in that tin and like the whole thing is gone it's just like you couldn't even leave a slice for them to even like split or something like i think I- i'm the sister monica joan of this scenario so i can't really contribute <laughs> Oh my, my husband, oh my, my husband is the sister Monica Joan of this scenario. Yeah, she really is. All of my previous irritation with Sister Monica Joan, like that I've like given her, like that I've forgotten and given her grace for the last like a whole bunch of episodes, came racing back. I was just like, oh Same. my god, you I just said I hated her then. Like, oh, I, I just, yeah, I just, I would have, I would have gone absolutely off, and like Sister Benjamin <laughs> did, and I was very glad. Chocolate buttons? Are they a thing over there? Nope, no, no, no oh, such thing as chocolate right. buttons in the you US. Joking. Nope. 
No. But it's only no. really a Cadbury's thing, isn't it? Oh, I mean, if you, if, if you can get, like, I mean, if you can get them, you can have them, but they're, there's, they're not. <laughs> oh, I, implore, I implore all <laughs> listeners to have some chocolate buttons. They are delicious. The only thing I will say is, and they're not in any way comparable at all, is the only thing we have that's relatively similar is, like, plain M&M's. But they're not, they're not even remotely the no, same. they've got thing. a weird candy shell. Yeah. And the chocolate. Yeah. No, actually, I would say M&M's, M&Ms are more, like, smart are more like smarties yeah they're smarties yeah 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 chocolate but chocolate buttons are just like a, you know what chocolate buttons are chocolate buttons are like the little discs of chocolate that you can buy whenever you're like trying to like bake chocolate to like melt it down or whatever except if you buy like the really nice kind of that that's the only thing i could think of that they're similar to because they're just little drops of chocolate that you just eat delicious ones yeah mm. now i have a bone to pick with barbara because she just left Sister Evangelina sat in that chair all night. Okay. Yeah, but she might have been like, oh, um, you, we don't know that Sister Evangelina didn't have a conversation with her. She was going to do the Horlicks, by the way, Horlicks alert. Um, yeah. But she was going to do a Horlicks. And no, then. She's going to do a cup of tea. Oh, a cup, cup of, of tea. tea. Well, there was, there was a Horlicks bit, though. I did have a Horlicks. Was that with, with Trixie. That was with Trixie sisters. and. Oh, well, I'll put the Horlicks clacks on too early, but it doesn't matter. We've got it now. <laughs> Um, but yeah, but she might have to been like, "Oh, I'll leave you with your tea, drinking that," and then she'd be like, "Okay, I'll be up in a minute or something." You know That's what I mean? Exactly what I thought. That's exactly what I thought. Yeah, yeah. Because mm-hmm. Barbara like covered her with a blanket before she finished making the cup of tea, so I thought, okay, she covered with her blanket. Sister Evangelina probably just started like snoozing, and then she's like, "Okay, I'll just leave the tea here. I'm gonna go up." And then you know when she yeah, because the know. tea was next to her when Fred found it the next morning. Yeah, yeah. So I don't think I don't think Barbara neglected. Oh, Fred no. finding it. Fred finding uh, it. Oh God! Oh, the first time I watched this episode, I was like, I just wasn't expecting it. Same. I was so shocked. I was so shocked. shocked. I was absolutely shocked the first time I watched this. I even because... I was watching it with my mom, who already had seen it and knew what happened, and I was like, No, no. My mom was just like, I looked at her, and she's just like, I know, I know, and I was like. I don't even know. I was, oh God. It, and it his hard hat to off and was just oh. so sad. His little face just crumpled and oh. Yeah, because oh. when the first time I watched it and he did that, I was like, oh, Fred, that's a bit of a leap. She's not died. Same, like, same. I thought it was going to be like a comedic thing, like he'd taken his hat off thinking she died and then actually, no, she wasn't. But it was not comedic. It was absolutely harrowing. No, yeah. it was so serious. I, I genuinely felt like a member of my family had died. Like I felt so sad when she went. I was just, I... Oh, God. It was really sad. I'll tell you what, though. It was so... I was so pleased that she managed to have that last birth before she went. Yeah. I thought that was the reason why she could go. Yeah. I thought um, that was why she yeah. could go. I, I don't I don't want to make a huge statement about this, but I do sometimes believe in, like, certain types of signs or, like, things, like, kind of that are maybe, like, a little bit more, like, kind of woo-woo or, like, metaphysical or whatever. And, like, to me, like, her getting to take care of, like, one last baby, like, after she'd come back and, like, then in her... Her, like home that she loved so much doing exactly what she loved so much was almost like a way for her to say like okay like the journey's complete and like now I can like close the door like that's just my own like kind of woo-woo-ness or whatever but I I did I notice just... though this episode she was quite bad tempered so I didn't know if that was a sign that something was about some change in her brain was afoot but also mm. would that be a symptom from the earlier stroke I thought so but I don't know okay. I don't know it just seemed a bit more exacerbated and she seemed to try and be controlling it a bit more mm. I don't know if I was just overthinking it. It might have been some kind of like inner conflict. You know what I mean? Like, maybe it's just that everybody's incompetent around her. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I feel that way about my work. So I get it. If you were a listener that works with Alex, apologies for... Yeah, no apologies. Don't worry better. about that. None, no none apologies, just getting better at your job. <laughs> the, thing, 
thing is, this is one of those episodes that I don't even feel like, I don't even feel like anybody wrote the script. I just feel like people just, like, we literally just watch people live their lives and, like, this is what happened. Like, I mean, the writing on this was so seamless and so perfect. It was, it was just, it was the most, it was so much like real life. I don't know, I don't know what I really, how to say it better than that. It just was, I don't know. There was something so real about it just every every part of it just felt nobody was even acting like they were just living as these people and we were just watching them live as these people well i do think for them as well it would be their last scenes with with pam Pam ferris wouldn't it yeah yeah yeah. so actually it probably was quite emotional well, we're gonna we're gonna get there like more, but like when Sister Julian and Sister Mary Cynthia are like looking at the wedding dresses, and Sister Mary Cynthia says about giving the wedding dress to Noel, and Sister Julian is like, oh well, like we you know we ha- we've never been able to like ignore her before, like we can't start now or whatever when she like commands us to do something, and then she they both start laughing, and then Sister Julian starts crying like as she's laughing, like yeah, oh my god, just like tear me to pieces, like I was. I was just because I thought to myself like not only is Sister Julian like mourning the loss of her sister right but I really just thought like I'm sure Jenny Agater is like absolutely heartbreaking that she's that she's losing yeah. one of her friends you know what I mean because obviously yeah. she's gonna go oh I just oh anyways we'll get there more but like just absolutely mm. well so should we oh, talk about Noelle and Mitchell now sure. yeah that mother-in-law <laughs> awful <laughs> was she awful what are you joking <laughs> Would you want her as a a mother-in-law, Bex? She was getting them married. She was getting everything sorted. There's something out of it. Why is she doing it all? She just talked for him and was just awful, Bex. He's an actual adult. She's like, he's doing it. Don't get that out of the pal. She was a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, but at the reception, when Noelle's in labour, he's not exactly by Noelle's side. Like, he's not exactly the most dynamic... He's a 60s man. He he's not allowed. He's, allowed he's not allowed. Well, no. exactly. That's why his mother needs to be. I can't believe you don't think she's awful. Like, yeah, she's <laughs> present at a birth. That doesn't give her, like, a human of the year well, award. Like, the thing I is, like. Think- was awful did you not did you not think it was bad that she was literally going around town and talking about how she was like desperate that her son's baby wasn't born a bastard and like how he'd knocked her up and never would have come back if like he'd done it and how like they were barely gonna make it on time and like you know how and also when she so first met violet she was like oh violet they, oh fred you've not met tessie her mum married my uncle or whatever and she was like yeah and they had a rubbish life because of it like she was horrible <laughs> so controlling and like so telling everyone's business i mean look she was sweet about a lot of stuff for sure but like the way she was like don't call me should i call you mrs anslem or or mum or or uh, or tessie she was like well you might as well call me mum now and i thought that's a bit weird when daughter-in-laws or son-in-laws call people mum or dad isn't it yeah i don't don't like that also what else was like when 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 noelle was finally wearing the wedding dress and everything and she was like trying it on to like see how it worked or whatever and she was like oh you hold the bouquet lower no lower no still lower he's you know like basically like hide this pregnancy yeah exactly like look she was really sweet but you just know that she's gonna be the most like tessie is gonna be the most controlling bossy she was also really controlling the to Tom, like get it done now. They had to go. Yeah, permission from the bishop. Exactly, exactly. He just knew what needed to be done, and she got it done. <laughs> <laughs> well, sure. On the flip side, yes, you are right about that. But yes, I mean, fair, I've, yes, just, seen the, I've just seen the best in her. <laughs> The thing oh, is, that's going to be, that's going to be those two, like, that's going to be their life for the next 30 years while, while she's, like, bossing them around Poplar, like, every My single day of the week. My notes say, Tess, the, his mum, is a cow. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, even Violet, like, with, like, she said so many friends, she was like, oh, Lee's a handful. Like, you know, I mean, she knows what that Oh, seems. so Noelle obviously is on her own. How old do you think Noelle is? About 20. 20, oh, yeah. Also, how old do you think Mitchell is? Because I didn't think Mitchell oh, looked 20, that young. 20. Oh, I thought quite young, 21 or something. He had one of yeah. them faces, you can see him as a granddad as well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's going to look but, the same for like 40 years. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. but Sister Mary Cynthia went round to check the bride because she came off the boat and then she knew she was getting married straight away pretty much. Also, bless her heart. So no, when Mitchell left Australia, he didn't know that Noelle was pregnant. So I'm going to say maybe she was about less than three months because at three months she would have known, wouldn't she? Yeah, probably. Definitely, yeah. So the boat's been stuck at Cape Town. Yeah. She's been... Literally traveling for almost six months. Well, yeah. well, wait a minute. Do you think the boat have to send the money over had. to get her? I, I don't. I don't. I don't think it took her six months by boat to get there i think i think she was like delayed in in departing for many months so, like i think she was still living her life in australia and then they were like the boats delayed the boats delayed the boats delayed and then finally like i don't know like a month ago or whatever they were like okay we can go and then they go boop and then they sail around and but also he oh, probably okay, had to fine. save up to send the money over as well because obviously yeah. i literally thought she found out she was pregnant and got on a boat and then has been like pregnant the whole time on the boat <laughs> To be honest, Beck, so did I, but I'm also the person who thought a flying squad was <laughs> a helicopter. So, anyway, and I still so don't know what the poor war is, so I mean, we're all just <laughs> batting a thousand here. Feather sort of bear, feather bowers. So, anyway, so she was feeling she was having an appointment with Sister Mary Cynthia uh, just to yeah. see how far along she was and how everything, and she's very far along. Uh, but she was talking about a wedding dress and, and bless Tessie. To be fair, yeah, she is, she's done the right thing, she's just done it a really awful way by bossing everyone around but she'd got an outfit for her which was this like brightly coloured outfit with a brightly coloured hat yeah. and she was like it's it's beautiful but will I feel bridal and I was like well yeah you will because you're a bride so suck it up I, d- I don't get that yeah but Al you were an unconventional bride like I got I understood what Tess was saying like I think I think it made sense yeah but was Alex wasn't unconventional because you still wore off-white I wore gold your, your her dress wasn't white at all no I said off-white you know, no, what? black's off white in that description. Then <laughs> it was no. The dress you wore was like that metallic-y with like different colors and like some. It was yeah, gold. but it was still yeah. bridal. It was still bridal colors. Mm, not really. It was. Do you know I what? Think... I'll put. I'll do this. I'll blur my face out and stuff. But what I'll do is I'll put a picture on the recall <laughs> the midwife thing, and people can say if they think it's bridal or not. The dress when you, you say, wore... oh, somebody's an alternative bride, like it's like they get married in red or something. Yeah, but married Alex, in Alex... red. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, like when you think of a classic bride from like a Western culture, like ours, you think of like a dr- like a woman literally in a white dress with a veil, and that a was long not... white dress. Yeah, like like Noelle was gonna be wearing like a pink skirt, a floral top, and then like a big flowery like sixties like boof like head dress thing you do on top like that would not have been a bridal outfit at all like, no i don't think it would have been no well, I, 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 say that. I like like the outfit she actually wore i think so that was a wonderful to, solution we need to provide a bit of context because the they're converting the attics at the mother house into rooms so they've got to clear out the loft so they've sent all of the belongings of the nuns to nanata's house and they're all looking at the wedding dresses that they wore when they made their vows Mm-hmm. Which can I just say, poor Sister Mary Cynthia didn't get to do. No, she yeah, did not. But... And in future episodes, can I just say, I don't want to do any spoilers, but there are, there is a scene with other nuns getting turning into nuns, and they do get to wear wedding dresses, and that annoyed me for poor Sister Mary Cynthia. 
carry on. I felt Sister Mary Cynthia, I've really felt she belonged this week. Not that they've not made her feel welcome, but I really felt that I sometimes, yeah, I in some episodes, I feel like she's felt a bit halfway house between the sisters and the, and the nurses. Mm-hmm. But I felt like she really belonged now. 100%. I also got that. That scene with all the nuns talking about their dresses, their wedding dresses, was absolutely gorgeous. And obviously, Sister Evangelina's last scene with all the sisters together, yeah. um, it was absolutely gorgeous. And the way that Sister Evangelina was totally like I feel about wedding dresses, like just, oh, absolute ridiculous load of fabric that's just, bleh, not for me. And she didn't so like when, wearing it. I'm, I'm going to be honest, the whole the whole wedding, wearing a wedding dress to like become a nun, it, I, it made me uncomfortable. I'm just going to say it made me uncomfortable. We still do it. I just don't, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I get it. I get why they're doing it. But like, I, just to me, like there's, there's a weird kind of like, like odd off-putting sexism to it about it that I just I personally just find like strange and I, I don't like it sorry I just don't I thought the dresses were great I loved seeing them but like I just that that whole conversation just made me feel really uneasy sorry oh, I thought it was a beautiful scene I mean between the women it was it was like nice with how they were reminiscing about becoming nuns and like how it was at the time and like what they felt and I like the fact that sister Monica Joan was like oh that was my dress and then sister Winifred was like oh my god really and they had like accidentally worn the same one they didn't know and everything like it was a nice scene among the women but like the 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 practice of that thing of like wearing a wedding dress to like fully enter into your like nuns vows like I just that just I don't know. It just made me feel weird. Sorry. Not them, but the practice of doing that made me feel weird. I don't know. I don't like it. Sorry. I didn't mind it. So (laughs) they can do what they want to do. But (laughs) but yeah, so they were talking. But you don't even like wedding dresses and you didn't even wear like a classic wedding dress to your wedding. Well, that's my choice. If other people want to. I know. But that's what I'm saying. We all contain multitudes. That's the whole thing of this whole thing. Yeah. Anyway, so Noelle had no wedding dress and she was heavy pregnant. And basically, I think they even mentioned the fact that you're a lot slimmer, kind of just to say that when she was younger, she was also not, not as thin, Sister Evangelina, because Noelle wore her dress. So Sister Mary Cynthia donated it to Noelle and they mm-hmm. all altered it. And I thought that was really nice, the way they were all working together, kind of, because yeah. obviously Evangelina was a grafter, in Fred's words, and they were all working on st- on things as like a kind of tribute to Sister Evangelina. Yeah. Which I thought was really lovely. And she looked absolutely gorgeous in that dress, actually, Noelle. Oh, it was a beautiful dress. Beautiful it was. Dress. Quite. Yeah. And then like clockwork, she gets married, and then she literally has the baby behind a curtain at the reception. On a oh. wedding day, can you imagine? I cannot imagine. I, I got drunk and went to a technical metal, metal club in Vegas on my wedding day. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, have, okay, here's a question. Have you guys ever been to a wedding where the bride was pregnant? Yes. I never have. Uh, that Well, that I know of. I mean, well, even I know a lot of wanton women. Now, I've been to a wedding <laughs> where... I'm, oh, I have my sister-in-law's wedding. Your sister-in-law was... Brother. Oh, okay. There we go. I mean, it I happens... Well, it... Where they actually announced it at the wedding. Okay, okay. I mean, I, I think it's fine to be pregnant at your wedding. There's absolutely nothing wrong there. I just think it's a little unusual. I mean, the thing that made me laugh was, like, literally giving birth on your wedding day. Yeah, like, and just behind the My cousin was pregnant at her wedding. Like a month later, she had a baby, and um, they booked it like three years in advance. You'd and, be so um, annoyed by that. Well, to be fair, she looked gorgeous, but yeah, she. Well, was, no, but you can't have a drink at your wedding. She doesn't drink anyway. It's all right. Okay. Did she? So she? When did she find out she was pregnant in relation to the wedding? Um, like six months before, seven months. Oh, before. so she was really 
well pregnant at her own wedding. She was eight months pregnant, yeah. Oh, wow. I, wow my wow. daughter was two months old at the time or three months old at the time. Uh-huh. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Wow. Anyways. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah. But yeah, they have the baby. And like literally the husband is there like at the party where everyone's doing like a conga line and like the, the twist, you know, dance craze or whatever and then all of a sudden they just go oh he's got a boy and he just stands up and like you know is excited and whatever and it's just oh it was just such a wild that was wild we mentioned earlier that susan mullocks had come into the clinic so should we move on to the thalidomide scandal because it breaks in this episode oh it breaks my heart in this episode yeah so so i'll give a little history at the moment so here's the thing I did a little bit of research about this. I had known about it before, but it's it's really, really sad. So just to say, thalidomide was a drug that was that was developed in the 1950s and 1960s by a German company. Uh, the name of the company is... Now, I apologize for my German pronunciation, but it's a company called Heme Grunethal. It's... um. Uh, obviously that's German apologies <laughs> to people who speak German I don't speak German I apologize but anyways they developed the drug and the sad thing is as I was reading up about this the company actually has ties to Nazis and like Nazi medical like um Ooh. testing and everything which was Isn't that we didn't think it could get any worse yeah I know when I read about like you know some of the doctors and chemists who work for the company and how uh, they were into like eugenics and things like that it was it was really really upsetting but just to say that so the the drug was approved and it, it, it initially started to go out to patients in West Germany and then it went all over Europe and was in the UK and Australia and Canada and you know a lot of other countries Spain you know things like that and they started to notice that that they were having birth defects kind of along with it it was originally prescribed as you know all the things we saw in the show you know anxiety sleeplessness you know nausea various things like that there were by 1961 the draws was withdrawn in the uk you know germany realized there was a problem as well they yeah they withdrew it a week before they said on this Mm-hmm. And they estimate that uh, between 10,000 and 20,000 people were affected by it, meaning they were the children of women who had taken the drugs. One of the things that really upset me, so I'm just going to pass along that horrible fact to you all, is that apparently, and I think we kind of knew this a little bit, but I didn't realize kind of how specific it was. So the severity and location of the deformities on were, de- were dependent on how many days into the pregnancy the mother was before beginning the, the drug. So the litamide taken on the 20th day of pregnancy caused central brain damage day 21 would damage the eyes day 22 the ears and face day 24 the arms and leg damage would occur if taken up to day 28 i guess one very small silver lining is that it didn't damage the fetus if it 
was taken after 42 days of gestation. So if you took it later on in your pregnancy, then you could avoid some of the really worst effects of it and everything. I will say the, the US, this was interesting history. So the US actually never really had thalidomide in this country because there was a female pharmacologist, Frances Oldham Kelsey, who um, withstood the pressure from Richardson Merrill Pharmaceuticals to get approval by the FDA for the drug. And so we did have American families and f- children who were affected by the drug, but only because there was drugs that came into the US via a clinical drug trial. And then some people who got the drug in Europe or over the counter some other way, not approved in the US for prescription in the US. So there was some people, there were Americans and American families who were affected, but not in any way at the same level, because again, this heroic effort by this pharmacologist. But just to say as a as a, a footnote, or kind of, I guess, a continuation of this story now is that the drug is currently in use for certain types of cancers. I, one of the ones they said was myeloma. And you know what's really also... funny? Not funny at all. It's not funny at all. Strange. Uh, my uncle's been diagnosed with myeloma and he's just been prescribed this drug. Right, right. Um, apparently it also is part of a possible course of treatment if you have AIDS as well, which um, has only been, you know, kind of determined recently. They do still obviously heavily monitor the use in regards to anyone that could potentially either become pregnant or be associated with someone who could become pregnant. So if even if a man is taking the drugs, if they are in a in an active sexual relationship with a woman who could become pregnant, they always, you know, screen for that and vet for that to make sure that the appropriate precautions are being taken so that no pregnancies occur, even for a person who even for the man who's having sex with a woman, I guess we could say not to put it too like blatantly there. But yeah, just really, really horrible um, kind of history. As I was doing some research, they showed some of the, you know, um, pictures of children who had, you know, all the birth defects that, you know, we kind of see on the show a little bit. There was also a really, you know, very tough picture to look at of a, a mat, like here, I'll show it to you guys on the screen if you can see. So it's basically a harness or a, mm. it's, how do they describe it? It says artificial like limbs. It. Yeah. Artificial limbs made for an affected child in the 1960s. And just to describe the picture, it's, it's kind of prosthetic legs, prosthetic arms from the elbow down and then basically a brace that goes around the torso of the the person's body so that they can kind of present as a you know person with full arms and legs and you know that could potentially walk around I don't know if walking was possible in a brace like that but yeah so really sad and painful history and weird, a- weird question do we do you know anyone affected by this no I do not there's that, a pharmacist where I live who has affected arms from the set from this really yeah. Yeah. So apparently they said that kids who had it, that, you know, that they still could have like a long lifespan or I guess a relatively normal lifespan because there were... Phases, um, well, it depends how badly they were affected by it. Right, yeah. right. So some of the kind of... So they said that about 40% of the children who were born with these birth defects didn't survive. So, you know, obviously very, very serious. There are really serious internal injuries that happen when you have these kind of birth defects because of the drug. So, you know, there, there's obviously, you know, life-threatening issues that carry on into, you know, your life if you do survive, you know, past a certain point. But, you know, there are people who have, you know, a lot of issues because of the thalidomide, but they do have, you know, normal lives as disabled persons. So, you know, very at, the time, at the time, they didn't know that by prescribing it to mothers, there wasn't that testing around the fact that it's transferred to the fetus. Well, girls, here's here's what I'll here's what I'll just say. So I feel like I was kind of reading reading through the lines here. So I can't 
I can't find it specifically, but it said that it said that, you know, initially there was no thought that there would be harm to a pregnant person who was taking the drugs. But my guess is that they didn't really do accurate testing and they just kind of did. They had the same kind of medical assumptions that governed a lot of medical testing back then, which is that, you know, women are just men with like different funky body parts. And if you prescribe something for a man safely, that it would be this exact same for women. And, you know, really not a lot of I know I don't know enough about the medical history, so I'm happy to be corrected. I didn't go super deep on that. But I reading between the lines of the research that I did, I didn't get the sense that there was really a lot of thoughtful or accurate testing done on the harm that could be caused to a woman or a fetus if she was pregnant prior to prescribing that drug. So, And I thought this show portrayed it really well because as soon as Sheila and Dr. Turner become aware, they involve Nurse Crane and Sister Julianne and they're mm-hmm. kind of going back through all the patient records, mm-hmm. trying to find who they prescribed it to. Rhoda Mullocks wasn't prescribed it, but she yeah. was given a pill by her sister. Yep. Then there are people, mothers that they know that they prescribed it to, but went on to have healthy babies with no issues. Mm-hmm. Which goes to show that it depends specifically at what point in the pregnancy you take it. the mother took the the pills. So yeah, it ju- I thought it, it, they did a really good job of portraying that aspect well, of it. On the actual that part, not to make light of it, but. I really loved their investigative journalism, like not journalism, but their investigative research in that room. Forensic science. Forensic science. Yeah. yeah, but they had, there was Patsy as well, wasn't it? Because Sister Julianne had to go back to her there. So, she, so Nurse mm-hmm. Crane was like, get Nurse Mount. She's fantastic. A wizard with a Rolodex and she's calm under pressure. So they got yeah. her there discussing it. And I thought, I would watch a show that's just about these four trying to like solve medical anomalies. <laughs> oh, they could have made totally the whole watched. episode about it. They could have made the whole episode about it. Yeah. Their filing system, honestly, the stuff that they can track down, there's a later episode where Sheila goes deep in the filing system to track somebody down and works out what's happened. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it just, amaze me yeah Mm Mm-hmm. Well, and Sister Julianne, you know, it was really heartbreaking because she said, she told a story about how when Ruby Cottingham's baby was born, the doctor said, oh, another one. And yeah. the thing the thing that was, was really sad was when Sheila had gotten the news that the drug had been withdrawn, she told Dr. Turner, you know, they're saying that there's only been one or two cases in the UK and there's been more in Germany, but not that many more. And they're just, you know, kind of doing this as a precaution and everything. And then he gets really upset because he feels so guilty about how many times he prescribed it. And just the complete, you know... I mean, I, I, I don't I don't condone it or accept it, but their desire to minimize like the true damage that had been wrought was, you know, obvious in terms of why they were underplaying yeah. the real threat and everything. But I mean, you know, even just the patients on the show, I mean, they found like a ton of people who'd been negatively affected by this drug. Yeah. Well, when um, Dr. Turner was saying he got really upset and he was like, I prescribed this about to dozens of patients, if not scores. I'd be like, what do you mean scores? What's the scores? I go, is that 20? He's like, I got a bit confused. But, um, I think a score is 20. I think a score yeah, is 20. But Nurse Crane was so lovely. She was like, this is not your fault, doctor. This is not, you know. And then poor Rhoda was, was when they told her. Oh, well, the God. irony that Rhoda hadn't been prescribed it when she was pregnant, but obviously just prescribed recently. medication. Yeah, she was just prescribed it. But girls, yeah. it's, I mean, we all know how common it is for like, I mean, now prescription drugs are a little bit different, but like for someone to say, oh, you've got a headache? Like here, have this, like this really helps or whatever like that. I mean, that kind of drug sharing. Like, We've literally been stood at a bus stop, Alex, and you were like, oh, I've got a splitting headache. And someone gave you paracetamol in the front that was stood in front of us at a bus queue. <laughs> I can't even remember that because it was actually Rupitmol. And <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was going to say, like, what's a paracetamol? Like, I don't, you never know, I guess. But, but yeah, certainly if, if like, you, you I don't know, remember somebody, that at all. 
<laughs> but if someone like actually that you trust gave you a medication and they were like, oh, here, take this, like it'll really calm you down or here, like I take this, like give it a try or whatever. Like all of us have done that. Again, I, I can't say with over the, you know, with like prescription drugs, same thing. It's a little bit different. There, oh, yeah, but I'm sure... I think I'd be a bit more. Yeah. But just to say it didn't, it didn't shock me that that kind of use was happening yeah. on the regular. And it definitely didn't shock me that there because I, I can't remember exactly which patient they said this about but like she'd been prescribed the the thalidomide prior to becoming pregnant but then she'd had a few left over and so then she like took them again after she was pregnant and then that's when the problem occurred and I was like well people have de I've definitely done that we're like not you know like I've like I've had something left over and then I'll down the road I'll be like oh well I feel this way again x and then you just take it later and it's you know so that's you know, it was I'm sorry Jen I interrupted no, you no, no, do you know what ahead. that mate was when Rhoda was talking about she's taking Susan to the clinic and there was a big boy that his legs weren't affected but his arms and they'd amputated his fingers because they said they were going to be useless and actually they probably wouldn't have been useless because although they're not functional in the way that, that a normal hand, hand is, would he be, yeah. he would have had some function yeah yeah well, well we could already see with susan that she was developing the use of her hand she said oh I, she can hold onto a rattle really really strong you know oh. or she can hold she has a good grip on a rattle. She can really hold on to a rattle is what I meant to well, say. Well, there's a not... famous artist over here called Alison Lapper who um, was born. She was a thalidomide baby. And mm. she she's... Was she on the plinth in Trafalgar Square? Yes. Yeah, I yes. know who you're talking about. So she's a famous artist and she um she's actually had a there was a it, that was a sculpture of her pregnant because yeah. she had a baby and oh. the, there was a, a sculpture of her pregnant in Trafalgar Square because there was a plinth when they did a load of different exhibitions of different artists and stuff and she was there but mm. she you know she she's a very successful artist and famous over here well i don't know she might be in america i don't know but she's what, a child what kind of, of she it's affected her arms and the legs what famous, kind of art does she produce susan mullocks oh i don't know well paintings and things like that and sculptures and things like that and i i'm again i apologize for not knowing this but like my i'm assuming that it, even if you are a, a thalidomide baby that once you grow up if you do have another baby of your own that that none of those issues will transfer to your child right is that none correct? did for her son okay okay yeah she does that uh, she does painting with her mouth and feet oh uh, okay okay that's amazing yeah. Good for her. Really good for her. Well, should we talk about Ruby Cottingham as well? Oh, yes. God. The other mum putting oh, gin and tea and she has to go to a cafe to drink a gin and tea in peace because at home she's just got loud boys and she's so fixated on this daughter idea saying, that, oh, yeah. this, the acting again was amazing. Considering her and Jenny Agatha hadn't acted together for a good while. It was yeah. just fantastic. Talking about how she couldn't name a child because she never knew her because she never saw a baby, did she? Mm. No, she didn't. Oh. Well, and the way she says, she's like, oh, I thought if I could give her a name and kind of think of her as a person that then I could forget her and she's like but I can't and I just keep you, you know I mean basically she's like I'm haunted by you know this whole experience and everything and I can't yeah. even be around my kids because it's too upsetting and I'm too upset and so I basically do what little I can for them and then I just get out of the house and come to the coffee shop and sit here for however many hours I can tolerate it and just drink coffee like doused in whiskey or whatever and oh god well Delia and Patsy see her at the coffee shop and they notice that she's putting gin in her tea yeah. Which is not going to be the best. Uh, well, oh, just I mean, just goes to show like how down and out she is. You know what I mean? Like that's just. Um, Don't get me wrong. Um, I love a cup of tea. I could sit in a cafe and drink tea all day, but not with gin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but the scene between Sister Julian and Ruby. I mean, again, like just 
Sister Julian's like thoughtfulness and compassion with it and everything and just a tough by this point in the episode I was just absolutely like a puddle I was just reduced yeah. I mean like between at this point like Sister Evangelina is gone like you know Susan has already come back like Rhoda's been so upset and everything I mean the scene with Rhoda where she's crying oh. about you know how why didn't I just you know get on with it and why didn't I just suffer through like it wasn't even that bad you know but like oh no I had to feel happy all the time and everything meanwhile she's just got like before she was already upset before even knowing this because she's oh. just in the night she's like I wake up and I think she's you know I, I, I just remember that we've got a whole hard road ahead for she's got a whole hard, hard road against her coming yeah. up she's already so anxiety ridden and that's obviously why she's uh, prescribed distabal but then again it's just constant just a constant upset in her life yeah well and just to say like you know I was really hard on Bernie when Susan was born and I I, I get I that was I was really hard on him and you know but like when she talked about him you know calling Susan like my beautiful and everything after you know after she was four months old and then you know one of his friends like crossed the street because he didn't want to talk to them as they saw her them walking down the street with Susan in the, in the pram and everything and then he didn't call Susan my beautiful for another bunch of months and everything after that because he was so ashamed I just thought like you know okay I, I am hard on Bernie and I and I I get that whatever I mean I have my feelings about him but the fact that there was so much that other people did and there was so much societal and cultural like stigma around this issue and not just the litamide and you know but like people with disabilities in general because we've seen this with other kids I can't remember the name now but the family who they had a baby who had oh gosh oh spina man I'm gonna... spina bifida yes yes yeah. yes they, yeah 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 they they they, they <laughs> considered you know maybe giving the baby up because they didn't know if they could really take care yeah. of it and then they did come around but like people really horrible to them about it and like openly horrible and you know kind of critical of this this baby who was born with disability with with this disability well, and, over it to them. and i just you know i i mean i just thought you know oh god just it just made me feel a lot more compassion for i mean rhoda already really had a lot of compassion for me anyway but it did make me feel for bernie because i thought you know god that's terrible you know to have to to you know go through something like that and anyway so sorry i know that was really depressing but just just so heartbreaking this whole do we get something that's not as depressing but still quite depressing should we talk about the tea the coffee and tea scene <laughs> with the oh with yeah the only only marginally are only marginally less sad it, i will say that scene at least made me more angry than depressed so that's something i guess right yeah so we're talking about delia and patsy mm-hmm. yeah going for tea with delia's mum Mm. who can i just say i think this proves that she did know all along she's like yeah and i can't remember which side of the fence i landed on last time did i think she knew or did i think she didn't i think you went with jen i think you were wrong too uh just saying I'll no, say I, th- I didn't agree with jen oh. uh, i what did jen think that she didn't know yeah i i didn't think i don't think i still don't think that delia's mom has known since day one but i do think that at some point delia's mom figured it out and certainly by this point she's figured it out definitely we also just have a shout out for the name auntie vlod (laughs) i don't know why you don't live with your auntie vlod i love it i don't know where the name vlod comes from but i love it and then she's like you don't want to train as a midwife it's a nasty personal job and patsy's like well i do it she's like i know you do (laughs) <laughs> and then <laughs> you two were thick as thieves and then i loved how patsy was just a bit like could you please give delia a passport i loved it she took control oh did i say to, well i put passport here to, for a passport <laughs> now i know i think you were a bit judgy of delia's mum then yeah i was because... Wait a minute. you're judgy of delia's mum when just now alex was yeah, here we go. Finn. And why why wouldn't you want to be judgy of Delia's mum? Well, no, I think we should be, but I think I think she did her best. 
we have to okay every, keep every going podcast. Max. You, you've wandered into this yourself so keep on going <laughs> just think she was trying to be supportive but it's still not an easy I know what you're trying to say there's a big stigma in those days as well yeah. and that's her only daughter and she wants grandkids because that's also what she'll be thinking about let's be honest yeah but I just think when you when there's the two extremes of how people could react I just don't think it was the worst reaction it wasn't the worst reaction but I do think that's why she was trying to keep it from going back to London if I'm honest when when she yeah. was yeah and now mm. I remember that I was I did think she knew then and I think she's come to terms with it a lot because she says I'm not an unsophisticated woman and she says don't do anything to make your father cry she also said I've been to Jersey and the Isle of Man well she's just not an unsophisticated woman Alex that's true <laughs> she's been to Germany, mm. Jersey and the Isle of Man so mm. I just think given the times I thought she was quite supportive yeah <laughs> but we're watching it in 2023 I oh to be fair Jen we are watching in 2023 and she probably wouldn't have wanted her daughter to be a lesbian not even just because of the grandkids and all that just because she probably didn't want her getting flack from other people as well I will say that in a protective way yeah I uh, okay I'll I'll give you I'll give you a little bit on that I'll give you I'll give you (laughs) some of that but the thing is is that like I'm not saying it was the ideal situation I I I don't generally I'm totally team Delia and Patsy no I know you are I know you and I and I know and I know how you feel about these issues I just I I think a lot of stuff can get excused by, oh, well, it was the times. Oh, it was this, you know, yeah, and yeah, like, no, sure, that's fine. But like, if something is wrong, it's wrong. Like, whatever time it happened in, it was wrong. Like, you know what I mean? Like, lots of horrible stuff has happened. It never should have happened. Like, it didn't matter what time it was or what norms were at the time. Like, it was still wrong. Like, people should have thought about it and known better. And like, I just, I mean, I, I understand that the, that the time we live in does excuse a lot of behavior, or at least gives like really important context. Not that why it excuses it. I think it gives it context. Yeah. So, like, I get that. And, like, look, there's things that I've thought and felt and said and did, like, in my lifetime that now if I look back and I do look back and I have looked back that I thought, oh, my God, like, absolutely horrible. Like, I should have. And I've never done anything like super, super bad. But you know what I mean? Like things you just had opinions about or stuff you watch and then you revisit it later and you're like, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> like, why did I think that was okay? Or why did I think that that was whatever? And it's because that, you know, context for that time period like did exist. And so I do get that. But I mean, I just, the thing that I just find really frustrating is, and, and believe me, like as as a person who has not gone through this life experience themselves, I know that I'm, I, there's, it's, it's a, it's a very specific thing. And there's a lot of, you know, real human experience that people have documented and talked about in terms of how it is but I just I don't and know and I think I, as well from them like it's difficult to articulate it like I just think she did the best she articulated it the best way that she could to be so we say how like, she said I'm well the underlying message was basically like I'm your mum and I'm always gonna love you I can bear it if you upset me I'm your mum and you're a grown woman just don't do I, anything that make your dad cry I didn't get I'm your mom and I'm always gonna love you I got like I will tolerate you but like I want you to hide this from your father because he won't and it would really upset him and like I mean to me there was not much wiggle room there at all I didn't get like I love you unconditionally from Delia's mom at all I got like I know what's really going on and I, I'm gonna deal with it but I didn't get unconditional love from her not even close Sorry. Wow. That was what that was that was that was to me what was really painful well, about it honestly. The thing is though, it doesn't matter because she's now got a passport, Delia. Well, she's yeah, got her birth certificate to be able to get a passport. And now she's gonna go to Paris and go with Patsy and they're gonna have a great life. Yeah. And that's the important part here. It is. It is. Should we move on to Sister Evangeline's funeral just to lighten the mood? <laughs> 
episode. Oh my word! Well, God. I just like the way that just before the funeral, Fred was kind of just out of sorts, and Tom was like, "Would you like a cup of tea? It's well sugared." And yeah. and he was doing a bike, and then he was like, "She never once said thank you in eighteen and a half years of bicycle maintenance." She was a grafter. I was like, "How is that a tribute, Fred?" <laughs> <laughs> She's well, really no, ungrateful. No, no. I mean, you know, you guys heard what Tom said. Like, Tom says, like, oh, you know, like, if, if she was here, she would have said thank you for, like, all the things you did for her. And he's like, no, she wouldn't. Like, she never said thank you. Like, she was hard as nails. She grafted every day of her life. Like, you know, that wasn't, you know, like, it wasn't her at all to, like, stop and, like, explain, exchange pleasantries and everything. But he said it with, like, I thought real affection for her. I mean, I no, he did. He did. I was joking. But also, yeah, 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 yeah. so I really like the fact that she would have hated an ostentatious funeral with loads of people come to see her. She got mm. that. <laughs> the horses with the feathers <laughs> paid for fully because of the way she because of the grafting she'd done but also the way that the nuns were all working hard the crack team were working really hard on the medical uh, side of it with their uh, with nurse crane and patsy but also the the nurses were working hard on noelle's wedding dress i just thought it was a really nice tribute to her also she was like the queen with the people of poplar literally queuing up to yeah pay respect yeah. Yeah. I wonder if Philip Schofield and her Holly Willoughby <laughs> got in Jump there. the queue. Yeah. <laughs> like, like Sheila and Timothy. Yes. But to be fair, Sheila and Timothy were right. They were doing something. Sister Evangelina would have approved of that because they were doing something important. But what I want to know is where were the other nuns from Compline at the funeral? Well, quite. Where was huh? Mrs. B? Where was Jenny? Yeah. She was narrating Trump? the bloody funeral. Oh. Uh, can we also no. talk about the really beautiful scene between Peter and Trixie at the coffin? Oh, well, yeah. I wonder, is this our last, is this the last time we're going to see Peter? We've said this twice, though, so I don't know. I know, but it's just, it builds up and it's building up and then we he just keeps popping up. I think because the season's ending, he's not going to be back. I think because I think they're, they've, I, th- I don't think he'll be back for season six is what I mean to say. Yeah, but the way he said he used to be terrified of her and then they both held hands and it was just a really nice touching moment. Mm. And then mm. the song at the end, Till by Shirley Bassey. Mm-hmm. It was really beautiful. It was, it was, it was, yeah, it was perfect. Nothing to add there, Jeff. <laughs> I, girls, I, I just, I, I mean, you guys have said a lot and I, I've already talked a lot this episode, so I was kind of trying to hang back a little bit, but just to say like, I mean, I said it at the top and I, and I don't mean it like, I feel like Sister Evangelina was a member of my family and like the way that, you know, I mean, I don't mean the reality of that statement, but like the way that Sister Evangelina, like when she passed away, like, I just felt like it was like a great aunt, you know what I mean? Like a woman that you, like I've, I've had women in my life that I don't know super well. I'm not super close to but I have formed a connection with them and I like love them I respect them I've been in touch with them they've been with me at pivotal moments in my life and did did and do really mean something to me and that was I mean, I know it's a TV show, but I'm telling you, that's really how I felt when she passed away and like watching everyone remember her and like, you know, how they handled the funeral and everything like that. I, you know, I, yeah, I just, I don't know. I mean, just the whole thing like hit me in a, in a certain type of way, you know, watching it this time. And I just, well, I, it is, it is that moving though. That's I how good felt- the writing is. Yeah, I just felt incredibly impacted by it. And I, I, you know, like we, we, we were, we have funerals and we have memorials and everything for people for them to like, you know, honor the life that they lived and what they gave and everything. But also like, it's a way for all of us to deal with, you know, like our grief and like how we're coping with, you know, a loss like that. And I just thought it was handled so beautifully and so seamlessly. And the fact that they really kept her wishes at the forefront and like honored like everything that she gave her life for. Like, I mean, I, again, I I don't want to overstate it because it's a TV show, but 
like I, I just have to tell you I was just incredibly moved by it and like it just really got me and yeah, I think as I well just... because when she died like none of us were expecting it and it's so yeah yeah well realistic as well because yeah. that's just, in real life. just that yeah just that it's something that you you're not prepared for mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but also you know we do do a podcast on it that is how good this show is like I've never done a podcast on any other TV show. <laughs> no, no, no. And and I again, I mean, I, I I know I already said it, but it was almost like there wasn't even a script for this episode. It was like everyone just came and then they just turned the cameras on and they all just like lived for like a week. And then that was and then they just edited it together and spit it out. I mean, that is how natural and seamless and beautiful and honest and heartfelt and that it felt to me as a viewer. I mean, what do I know? But that's how it felt to me watching it. And I just uh, oh my god I just I don't know should we do heroes and zeros yes but first I just want to talk really quick about licorice all sorts do you have them <laughs> over there Jen <laughs> um I not really not really just no. for context because sister Evangelina was measuring the kids and she was saying oh go and get licorice all sorts from sister Mer- Monica Joan and sister Monica Joan was like no it's from Sutty I'm giving away licorice all sorts and I thought oh I wonder if you have licorice all sorts it was, no, it was a no, weird comment really, no. but it was uh, it was you know on point no I, I don't know I don't I don't think I've no we don't really have them we have licorice and stuff like that and we have like licorice candies but no not not those specific candies right right no okay heroes and zeros then bets my hero is going to be barbara for going above and beyond with tripty but also for getting sister evangelina back in the saddle nice my zero is going to be this well oh went big yeah to be fair it doesn't need explanation yeah. It's a good it's a good zero. It's a zero if we've ever heard one. Jen? Okay, my hero is gonna be Sister Evangelina because it's the last time she's gonna be Sister Evangelina. I know, it's my last chance. It's my last chance. And uh, you know, I've already I've already done this many times this episode, but I'll just like go off for like one more time. I truly believe that all we have in this life is what we've done. And she did so much. And uh, you know, she's in the show, she's obviously a fictionalized version, but this was a real woman and she was based off of a real person the you know the character that Pam Ferris played and you know I just she's so beloved by me and I just absolutely give my my hat goes off to her in every way I think she's a true hero and again I just that scene where she was bathing that baby was so pure and so beautiful and you know to both I'm saying you know so much but to give yourself to a true calling and to do it so well is is just completely remarkable and I love her and my zero is going to be her passing because I know no one can live forever but truly I feel like we lost a hero and I'm 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 gonna be sad about it and I am sad about it and I will miss her on future episodes and seasons of this show because I just thought she was one of the most amazing characters and she really inspired me in a lot of ways in all honesty she really really did and so yeah just nick my zero because I wanted that to be my zero but I'll find another one Uh, but I totally (laughs) agree I'm gonna miss sister Evangelina so much my hero this week is going to be Nurse Crane. I thought she was amazing. She was leapt into action. She was fantastic with the way. Sometimes she can be a bit brusque, but she wasn't. She was really loving, caring with the nuns after, obviously, uh, Sister Evangelina died. She'd lost her adversary, but also mm. her friend. Mm. And I just thought the way she dealt with it was just loving. But she also was in action, getting stuff sorted. She was fantastic. She was the real rock of the Nata's house, I thought, this week. My zero would have been Sister Evangelina dying, because it just should be. But I'm going to go with the man who shouted uh, or who 
stopped Bernie from saying beautiful to his uh, to his daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, I didn't mention this when we talked about them kind of going through the filing system, trying, and also when they first got the letter saying that Distabel was being withdrawn, and then they're like going through the Lancet and they find the letter from the editor. Like we really th- take for granted how information is just so readily available these days. Yeah, totally. Although some of it's misinformation now as well. That's another thing we've got to deal with now, I suppose. But yeah, but just back in the day. Yeah, totally. 100%. I'm nodding my head. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay, shall we go a bit more lighthearted? Let's have a few messages from uh, listeners. <sighs> Here we go. Thank goodness. Got... Let's end on a high note. Yeah, we do need this. So Annabelle Pritchard on Twitter, she said, last so last week I shared a picture of the Turners and uh, she said, I love this couple. I imagine they will be the perfect neighbours. Do you know what? That is e- exact... That is such a brilliant description for them. They would be the perfect neighbours. <laughs> what, like what a unique and wonderful compliment to give yeah. them. I love that. Yeah, but also, how exact is it? It's so true that they really would be. They probably would she be. Nailed it. She nailed it on the head. Yeah. Oh, my um, God. Yes. Okay, we've got a Becky on Twitter as well, who says, for my two pennies, there is a difference between jam on toast and jam sandwich. It's down to the bread. Two slices in one go for a sandwich and one each for toast. And then the consistency of the bread. Toast is much different. It gives a different experience. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and then she says, the reason we P&J uh, are not as popular, in my opinion, that pe- pe- peanut butter sandwiches are not as popular in, in the UK is because our jam usually has seeds or bits of fruit in it, unlike a lot of American jelly, which is smooth. Okay. Listen to it. If you that makes me not want it even more, I'd rather have ours with a bit of seed in it. Well, we're gonna have it at the next listen special, even though you're kicking against it. Uh, Jane, no, Weir... I, d- I do have it in my fridge because I like it, and the only reason I've got jam in my fridge is from making a Victoria sponge cake. Nice, yeah. do you like peanut butter back? I love peanut butter, and I can't buy it because I will literally eat it by the spoonful. I would like okay. it too. I like it on apple. Um, oh, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's a really what good combination. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jane Weir on Instagram says, Hey, call the Midwest unofficial podcast. I listen to you guys on Spotify. I love what you guys have to say. Please, please, please keep the episodes coming. You have so many seasons to go through. You are correct. You do. Well, we, yes. we <laughs> they get with Yeah. <laughs> Um, and she's like, it's incredible. Please keep the episodes coming. Yes, my thank you. Uh, now, another one, <laughs> Rebecca Golden Stockton, the one who was excited about last week's episode, says, oh, yes. thank you. Loved, loved, loved it. Camped a lot as a child. Loved peanut butter, but not so much with jam. And absolutely adore the photo you chose for the post. I think Sheila was baiting Patrick with the Cliff Richard comment. Like, prove to me that you're a young man and not an old fuddy-duddy. That's why Angela was unceremoniously dumped in the tent with T- Timothy. <laughs> <laughs> And she's also put, did you realise there were not one but two aborted romantic kisses in this episode? I'm all about Turner Debt. I do love Barbara and Tom. So and she said, also, do Barbara and Tom even have a shipper moniker? So what should we call them? Tombra. Tombra. Bomb. Bomb. <laughs> Would you say Tombra? Tombra. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to think of one. We'll have to think of one. Yeah, we'll have to think of one. Oh, yeah. Anyway. So keep the comments coming. We love them. Make sure you follow us, like us. We're now on threads, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everywhere, YouTube. Like and subscribe on Spotify. Give us a good message. Um, but yeah, next week we'll be doing the Christmas special. Ooh. Oh, we know who loves a Christmas special. I do, well, I do love this Christmas special, but it's not your conventional Christmas special. More on that next week. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say that's a teaser for you if ever yeah. there was one yeah. yes so thank you so much for listening and uh, we'll see you next week bye see you next week
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.